Right, ladies and gents, welcome to this week's crazy news from around the world. And have I got some crazy for you. You'll notice normally I'll do a walk and talk on a Friday, bringing you all this stuff. Today, we're not going to be walking, we're going to be sitting and talking. I know I'm being a, a bit of a wimp today, but I am feeling rough and that's an understatement. So here's what we're going to talk about in today's video. We'll start with a load of dystopian banking stuff. Uh, war, we'll talk some of the war stuff, the, the announcement with the BRICS, the CCP YouTuber clash, that was a funny one. There's a lot of weird stuff about that I want to uh, mention. Facial recognition with the UK, and then we've got a weird one on, uh, on cities around the world. They've just done a ranking of the top cities. <laughs> How this ranking was done, I'm not quite sure. So we've got a lot to go through today. So let's begin with banking. Lloyds Bank in the UK is to cut rolls. Yes, they're looking to cut 1,600 rolls very shortly. They say some staff will be offered a voluntary redundancy and the rest of the staff will be moved to other branches. How exactly that's going to happen, I'm, I'm not too sure since they are closing all the branches uh, in, the, in, these, uh, in these banks. But uh, anyway, that's what they're saying. One of the things I always love is looking at the reasons and reading the reasons why they're cutting them. It says only 8% of customers choose to visit banks now. No one wants to, to visit banks and more than 21 million customers now say they prefer to use online banking. Well, yes, but that's not the point here. The point is I prefer, many of you probably prefer to use online banking if you need to make a payment. You just do it from your smartphone or your laptop or whatever. Super easy. I do it all day, every day. You know, there's a, I've always got to make payments. However, there's a difference between that, which they're using as the excuse, versus when you have some sort of an issue. You need to go into branch. Something's happened. You need to get a document, etc. These are the things that they're not taking account of. And they always say things like, Oh yeah, but you can call the support line, someone will help you. Let me tell you the last time I called a support line, which was a few weeks ago. I was speaking to someone in India, couldn't understand what I was saying. I obviously got a bad rep because they're usually okay, but the person couldn't understand what I was saying. It took me half an hour just to explain and back and forth with different people. All I needed was a simple document for them, for my business, and they just couldn't do it. They said I had to go into the branch. I mean. This is the issue we're having here. And talking of issues like this, Asda has just announced, it says Scott's Asda stores are going cashless as supermarket giant axes traditional checkout tills. As part of their ongoing strategy, they want to reduce the number of staff that are on tills. Again, they say the same thing. People don't want to deal with staff on checkouts. People want to deal with uh, the self-service because they prefer to do self-service and, and all this sort of stuff, which yeah, may be true for some people, definitely not true for everyone. I know a lot of people enjoy that interaction with the cashier. So what are they doing then? 82 sites across the UK will be going to self-service stations only. It says at petrol stations. Of the 300 fuel forecourts attached to Asda stores, 150 are already unmanned, so 50%, and they want to ramp this up. They said that 90% of people don't even like using cash anymore anyway, and it's all done 
contactless. Finally, they said not to worry about the colleague because they'll all be moving to the Asda superstores to offer a much better customer service. That's going to be the focus. It's all on customer service. I don't believe that for an instant. It's actually all about cutting costs and increasing profitability. That's why they make these staff cuts and that's why they implement all this online payment where you're doing things yourself or self-service. Thing is, if they just told the truth about it, I don't think people would mind as much, although people will mind, is the fact they lie about it and they act as though, they treat us as if we're stupid by making these ridiculous statements. Now, wrapping up all the Davos stuff that happened over the last two weeks, then done a couple of videos on this, we had the chief economist survey that was done. And this is a pretty big deal if you're into economics because they take some of the top chief economists from around the world and they do these surveys. So it was quite interesting this year. And I'm gonna paraphrase a lot of this because they said, the global economy faces a year of subdued growth and uncertainty due to geopolitical strife, type financing conditions, etc., etc. AI, they've also said, is going to be a big one. It's going to wipe out as much as half of people's jobs in the near future. They don't give a timeline on this, but the IMF have said four to five years, you could see 50% of people's jobs being wiped out. I don't necessarily agree with that timeline again. I think what will happen is the jobs will change very dramatically. And the IMF says this is good for countries and, and companies. I don't necessarily think it will be because you're gonna see a lot of employment scarring that occurs as a result of this. And you're just gonna see a bigger wealth divide because people are gonna to have to become more specialist in order to operate and, and uh, deal with the AI. And then what will happen is the next generation as they come through, they'll be used to AI and you'll probably see a balancing out. But it's a bit like how you see an older generation now trying to do tech stuff. Now, I put myself somewhere in the middle of the older and the younger generation where I often struggle with a lot of tech things myself. But, you know, you look at my parents' generation, my grandparents' generation, and you try and get them to do a lot of advanced tech stuff. And, and uh, it just doesn't work out too well because, you, you know, you, you become familiar with what you grow up with. You look at kids today. I saw a kid at breakfast today with an iPad and the, the, the speed at which he was like probably three, four years old, the speed at which he was doing all this stuff on the iPad, way faster than I could do it. I, I was just amazed by it. So getting back to the survey, 56% of those surveyed expect economical conditions to be weak this year. So a lot of problems, a lot of slowdowns. Where they did see growth, which I was surprised by, was China. I'm, I'm somewhat surprised they said that. Also the USA, they see strong growth for China and the USA. That to me is super weird that they would say that. Now, what I do agree with is they said Europe would weaken this year. Europe's going to be very weak economic growth. I agree with that. I do, I do see that. Now, what they have got right, I believe, is uh, Southeast Asian, Asian countries, the Pacific. They've got these as having moderate to high growth during 2024. And that's definitely what I'm seeing out here. I'm still in Northern Thailand at the moment. This is Chiang Mai. I'm uh, filming from my hotel, I guess you can say here. And uh, I was speaking to the manager last night and he said that the tourist numbers haven't quite recovered. A lot of the Chinese have come back who love to just <coughs> cough all over the place, by the way, probably how I got, got this, don't cover their mouths. But anyway, a lot of the Chinese are back, but a lot of the other tourists are, are not coming 
back here yet. And I'm seeing some quite fascinating things out here. Uh, just noticing how many people are entrepreneurs, how many are self-employed, the level of growth that I'm seeing, the, the buildings and the, how many cranes are in the air. Uh, it is quite staggering seeing the growth here versus you look at what's happening in the West and you've seen a lot of stagnation. So I do agree with what they're saying about uh, Southeast Asia. Now, here we go, here, here we go. This is where you get into the comments, always at the start or the end of the report. They said, sadly, you know where this is going when they say this, most developing countries are growing in a way that is just not socially inclusive. And this is gonna be one of their hindrance to economic growth is that they are not socially inclusive. Actually, that's complete nonsense. It's the opposite of that. When you start doing things like putting restrictions on the free market, that is where you get slower growth. Basically, the more restrictions that you put on the free market, the slower the growth becomes. And we're seeing this a lot. I'm seeing a lot of small businesses in the US, in the UK, in the West in general, just closing up. I know a lot of people that are closing the business. You look at the statistics on self-employment and uh, entrepreneurship at the moment, it's really low. It's incredibly low. I, I haven't got the exact figures in front of me, but it's somewhere like 10 to 15% in the West. Now you compare that over, where in fact, perfect example, Thailand is around 53% of people here are entrepreneurs self-employed. Now, yeah, the scale is completely different. This is a very small economy versus a large economy, but I do think it's quite interesting to see the happiness levels when you plot these against one another, you start putting all the graphs together, you start to see some fascinating patterns. So do I think that it is the biggest concern for chief economists that countries are not inclusive enough? No, that isn't what contributes to growth. If we're looking at it purely mathematical, that is not what contributes to growth, being inclusive and being whatever else. The free market recruits the best people for the role and that is it, that, it's that simple. I've never seen any evidence that says that this company performed better than this company because this company had all of X kind of person and this company had, you know, LGBTQ, blah, 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 a black, white, Asian, you know, gay, straight, whatever. I've never seen any evidence that says this company performs better than that and that's why you need inclusivity. If, if that evidence exists, please send it to me and I'll review it, but I've never seen it so far. So that is why you gotta take a lot of this stuff with a, with a pinch of salt. Now let's move on to the war stuff then. So Iraq is caught in the middle of some, uh, you know, political conflicts, I guess we can say at the moment. So since October alone, there's been over 70 attacks on US forces in Iraq. The US have responded to this. They've done a, a drone strike, killing a senior Iran aligned um, politician. Now Iraq has condemned the US and Iran. They want US troops out of Iraq. Iran's top diplomat is saying that that this is going to become a larger regional conflict. He, of course, blames the US for it all. The US blames Iran for it all. It's a tit-for-tat uh, argument. I don't see any uh, resolve in this going forward. I, I really can't. I can't see any resolve at the moment. We've now got US airstrikes on a new country. This time it's Somalia. Although the US said Somalia, the government asked for these airstrikes to be conducted in their country. Oh, okay. Uh, Turkey has now approved Sweden for NATO 
membership. So this puts them one step closer towards membership into NATO. Hungary is the only country now blocking their membership with the NATO Secretary General furious as usual about Hungary doing this. He's saying it's a political play because they are anti-Ukraine and they're pro-Russia. Now, Hungary's come back and they're upset about this statement. You know, it's like non-stop all of this political to and fro. Saudi Arabia then sending mixed messages on BRICS. Saudi have said they're still contemplating the BRICS membership and they're looking at the benefits as well as key trading partnerships with China and India. And they also know that it would increase the bloc's power and their economic influence and they're weighing that up with their relationship with the USA under a Trump presidency. I thought that was interesting. They didn't say under a Biden presidency. They're saying they're weighing it up and how this would happen, you know, how it would work under a Trump presidency. Very interesting. But as I've said, the bookies odds, the gambling odds are one to one for Trump winning this year. Uh, that's one of the things I always look at. What are the the bookies odds on a lot of things and uh, you tend to get a pretty good gauge of what's coming up. The BRICS have also announced now these new loans for developing nations. So they're saying, don't go to the World Bank, don't go to the IMF, don't go to these other organizations. We're gonna give you loans, much better rates. You're gonna get it in local currencies as well, as opposed to US dollars. So they're really forcing this local currency, this BRICS basket issue, and pushing countries away from USD. Now, as I've said a lot of times, I don't see this as a major issue at this point because these developing nations are so small, their economies are so small, their GDPs are so small, that it isn't making a huge impact at this stage. But this is where you get the slight edge theory. You know, here's the US like this size. Here's some of these countries like this size. Yeah, one or two of these countries doesn't make much of a difference, but as soon as you get a lot of these countries, that's when you're going to start to see this having an impact. Because if the world does decide, and I'm not saying they will, but eventually they do decide we're not going to use all of these US dollars, that is when you're going to start to see this de-dollarization accelerate. But JP Morgan did do a study on this, which I'll talk about over the next you know, few weeks when we get time to uh, cover it in, in between important breaking news. But it is quite interesting uh, their summary of the de-dollarization trend. So the new development bank is about to issue another $28 billion worth of bonds. They're also talking about new memberships for next year in 2025. And they're looking at creating a reduced reliance for a lot of developing countries around the world on the US dollar. And they want to reform the global economy. So they're actually coming out and saying this now. They're, they're saying they want to reduce uh, dollar usage. So let's get on now to this big confrontation that occurred with the, uh, the pianist, the YouTuber this week. I'm sure most of you have already seen this uh, big confrontation that took place. Now I wanna bring up a couple of points which having watched the full length video, which I did, I had to then go back to the start and watch uh, the start again because there's something a bit weird about this. I don't know if you noticed this as well. And that is that when, and let me, actually, let me give you a quick summary. So there was a guy playing the piano. He's a famous guy. He goes to St. Pancras, etc. He plays the piano. These are viral videos, really good pianist. A group of Chinese tourists, they, they weren't tourists, 
uh, from a Chinese TV crew then complained, asked him to take the video down, said he had to because uh, they were part of the Chinese government. You know, they were doing the TV stuff or, or, you know, all this stuff. They said that he couldn't film them due to them being part of the Chinese TV and they threatened him. Uh, so there's all this stuff going on. They called the police. The police sided with them over the... I mean, it's, it's crazy, all this stuff that, that took place. Now, I want to mention a couple of things that, having watched that, that I didn't see other people mention, apart from a couple of people. So I want to just talk on this. Firstly, it isn't the way it was portrayed that he was playing and they walked through the shots and then they complained, oh, you've got to take it down. That isn't what happened. I don't know why this is going around. What actually happens if you watch it from the start is they were stood there. They were smiling. They were happy. They were watching him play. It was obvious. They could see the camera. It wasn't static. Someone was actually filming. Watch the footage. Anyone who's a videographer will see that was not a static camera. In fact, you don't even need to be a videographer. You'll see it's obvious. Number one. Number two, they were there for a good bit of time. Okay, It's not like they walked through the shot, which is what's being said. They were there, they were waving the flags towards the camera, they're smiling, okay? So this goes on for about at least three or four minutes, right? Another thing I haven't seen anyone pick up, although someone may have done, is that they really kicked off about this. And when the, the handler started shouting, don't touch her, don't touch her, and all this other stuff, the girl said, don't shoot him. She was saying to the handler, don't shoot. Don't shoot her. Don't touch her. Don't shoot him. But yeah, it, it, the whole thing was wild. And then for this police officer to come over and then get involved and trying to tell him, you need to stop filming, you need to do this. You no, you don't need to do any of that. This is the thing. And I think what a lot of people are disgraced by at the moment, even ex-police officers, the way these police now are acting. And again, it's not all. Some of you are probably police officers that are subscribers here. But you know what I'm talking about. It's just some, it's this small minority are not even policing anymore. They're, they're doing all this weird stuff now, trying to tell people what they can and can't do, which is not even the law, right? They're, they're trying to tell them things that they can and can't do. Like, you can't film these. Yeah, of course he can film these people. Of course he can. It's completely legal. They can't try and put pressure on, which is what they're doing now. There's a lot of pressure, even with YouTube is being pressured to have these videos removed. It's not going to make any difference. People are just going to keep uploading it. People have already made all their reaction videos, everything else. So the whole thing is absurd. But uh, yeah, I did think some of the other videos missed a couple of these points, like saying they walked through the shot and no, they were there waving, which makes me think there's something a little bit more to that. It's as if it was staged or that there's something going on there. I'm not entirely sure what it is. But Talking of weird stuff, the UK now is talking about putting facial recognition gates in so that you no longer even need uh, to provide passports at the border. So you can come and go, you don't need a passport. Uh, the US has been trialing it. I think this is in Dallas, Texas, uh, they're trialing it. But the UK border force said they were so impressed by Australia and what's happened in Australia that they want to enact it themselves. Another backlash at the moment, what's being called an anti-woke backlash, according to The Telegraph. Mark Carney's Net Zero Alliance is facing an overhaul. And this is because all of the major insurers are pulling out. 
And this is because US politicians put a lot of pressure on them. Because apparently, I mean, I wasn't aware of this. What's been happening is insurance premiums have been going through the roof in the US on certain insurers or insurance products. So this has been going on and they did an investigation. They found out the reason for this was because of ESG mandates, environmental social governance mandates that were pushing up the price for everyone else. And all the money was going to this alliance, which I investigated, I did a big investigation into that. And I found there's a lot of corruption in this alliance. The money is going into the big hedge funds and it's kind of disappearing or being um, sort of distributed to shareholders. It's all a big circle of money, which begins with the average citizens and goes up to the very wealthy. So you can see that investigation I did on the channel. So the NZIA has come under fire from US politicians who claimed that the group of insurers were breaching anti-competitive laws. So they were creating somewhat of a monopoly and you know, creating all these higher prices because of this um, group membership, basically. So Republican attorney generals from across the US last year wrote to 28 insurers, urging them to leave the United Nations convened group, accusing them of collusion. And they said that if they don't, that they would suffer legal consequences. So they basically did what they were told by the politicians. Another study that's just come out by the WHO, the World Health Anti-Health Organization, they're saying the next big thing is gonna be alcohol. Yes, alcohol, oh gosh, people are sitting up in their chairs right now. A new study finds, scientists claim, here we, here we go, all this stuff always makes me laugh. Alcohol is the next big thing. This is the biggest health crisis uh, yet to come. And they've done all these graphs, they've done all these studies by scientists on alcohol. Biggest killer, it's gonna be the biggest killer going forward, etc., etc. However, However, let me just say, I, I actually did my own bit of research only an hour earlier today on this, and alcohol consumption is dropping. It's been dropping year on year, right back to 1960s, 1970s. So for them to say that this is a growing problem, yet again is a lie, right? Look at the graphs, look at the statistics. That's what I always do. And then I, I look at it and I'm like, how they get away with some of the the claims they make, I don't know. But I wanna go on to the last story here because this one was the most baffling to me this week. I, I, I need your comments on this one. Ranked the 20 best cities in the world according to Time Out. I have a, a lot, strong views on Time Out at the best of times. 2024, okay. Number one city in the world. Uh, are you ready for this one? New York, USA best city to live in in the world uh, sorry what i mean I, the first thing i did was i overlapped the crime rates with these but i know I, I spend too much time doing doing stuff like this the first thing i did was i overlapped the, the crime rates through my software i was like how are they saying new york is the best to live the crime is through the roof uh, it's crowded you've got a homelessness problem You've got all the busing in of the, the migrants from other states sleeping on the streets. It, you've got craziness in New York. How they could say it's number one in the world, I, I have no idea. Number two, Cape Town, South Africa. Uh, okay. Number three, Berlin, Germany. 
yeah, I was in Berlin. I wouldn't, def I wouldn't necessarily say that's the third best in the world. Number four, London, UK. Have these people seen London lately? If not, they should watch my walk around videos. Amazing. Number five, Madrid. Number six, Mexico City. I looked up the crime rates for Mexico City again and the standard of living and everything else. In Mexico City, per every 100 people, there are 46 crimes per year. So, I mean, you're almost 50% likely to be the victim of a crime in Mexico City. So there's two of you in a household. One of you is gonna be, is gonna have a crime committed against you. Uh, I, I, I'm staggered by this. Liverpool, UK. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, I'm not gonna pass comment on some of these. Tokyo, Japan, okay. Yeah, I can kind of see that. Rome, Italy, oh, okay. Portugal, uh, Porto, number 10. That is the only one on this list I can look at and say, yeah, I can get on board with that. I was there just a few months ago. I think it was October, November. Beautiful city, absolutely beautiful. I agree with that being one of the top 10. But again, this is a world ranking. They're missing some of the best cities, I think. Number 11, Paris. Oh my goodness. 12, Mumbai. I, again, I've been to all these places. I've been to Mumbai. How it's number 12, I have no idea. Lisbon, Portugal, Chicago, number 14. Uh, 15, Manchester. A lot of these UK cities are crime-ridden that they are doing. Sa Sao Paulo, Brazil, Los Angeles at 17. Wow, th this is all crime-ridden cities. Some of the worst cities I'd never, never live in. Sorry, I apologize. People get upset when I, I say these things. For some reason, people get this massive attachment to their own cities. Number 18, Amsterdam. Number 19, Lagos, Nigeria. And number 20, Melbourne, Australia. Just baffling to me. Absolutely baffling that they didn't put any Asian or Southeast Asian cities on this list. The, I, I, why, I have no idea. But the living standards here if you earn, say, a Western wage, for example, are exceptional. Maybe not quite the same if you earn a local wage, granted. But uh, yeah, I'm amazed by these studies and, and the stuff that comes out. It's as if I'm living in an alternative reality when I keep seeing all these studies that are absolutely, they say the complete opposite of what the statistics, the mathematics, the data actually says. Uh, but again, we are living in an upside down world now, which is going to continue on for a few years yet. Hopefully, just after 2030, we'll enter this new first turning again and things will turn around. But I'm not hopeful uh, for the next few years yet. So there we go. Thanks for being online today. Really appreciate it. I'll put a bit of B-roll at the end uh, here, as I know you, you enjoy that. So thanks for being online. Uh, really appreciate it. Take care. God bless. I'll see you next week now. That's it, it's all gone now. Mm. It's all gone now, all gone. Just a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>